Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast, the off-season edition, as we get you ready for hot stove season. Uh, this is uh, Corey Peeper. I'm Dan Lewig. And as always, we are brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for movies and baseball games of choice, even uh, old games, classic games, whatever game you like, uh, we have you covered. Uh, and we are actually, even though now it's the off-season for the, the popcorn wagon as well, uh, there is a little bit of winter ball uh, that's going to be uh, going on here. Uh, so we do it every year. And so last year we did it, I think it was a little later, but this year, uh, December 4th and the 5th, we will do it from our house. I don't exactly have the hours set in stone yet from when we'll have it at our house, and then we're going to switch, and we're going to come help you out in Richland Center. So if you're starting to crave the popcorn, follow River Creek Popcorn on Facebook, and we will post the hours or keep listening to the podcast. And when I know for sure what our hours are, I will announce it on here. But, yes, it will be available in the next – Yeah, it's not even I was gonna say a month, but it's not even a month. It's only two, three weeks away now. Time's flying. See even more reason to tune in. You get breaking news that's even right. on the popcorn wagon before that's even announced elsewhere. That's so first we time have the scoop been said. for you. Uh, but as we look at the uh, free agency is now underway. Uh, the time, the deadline for qualifying offers has now is coming to a close at the end of uh, this evening as we're recording mm-hmm. the podcast. Uh, but we have all the answers uh, for that one. Uh, we have one free agent signing that is already uh, official. Your boy that we'll yeah. talk about in a little bit. Uh, we have some manager uh, breakdowns, also some manager literal breakdowns, uh, and we have new ownership. And uh, uh, there's dollar dollar bills, y'all. That's what's happening in the uh, New York Mets. Uh, a lot you can, of news in a week. There's a, a lot yeah. of news. A little, little more in a week. We had a little COVID scare here, but we're back. Yeah, yeah, we're back. We a little bit of uh, a delay there with that, but now we're uh, we're cruising here. And of course, for all of our. Uh, Midwest fans, specifically Wisconsin. We got Brewer talk here for you. What is our, if we put our GM hat on, what are we targeting? What do we think the Brewers need? Uh, so a lot to cover here today. We'll kick it off with uh, an oldie but a goodie, maybe. Uh, Tony LaRussa. Is it a goodie? Uh, and that's the question. That's the, the uh, Reinsdorf is sure hoping so. Yeah, he is. So we have talked about Tony LaRussa on this podcast a couple times already, and we knew that his approach was going to cause issues or we would we assumed that it was going to cause some issues and Marcus Stroman came out and said I will not sign with the Chicago White Sox because I will not play for that man and Tim Anderson basically said we have a way of doing things here with the White Sox and we're not changing and I don't want to change for old Tony LaRusso to come in and that was I believe Tuesday we heard that and then later on night or was it Monday I don't remember exactly the days here but we heard that then there was a drunk driving incident which was actually back in February around Phoenix, Arizona, and the White Sox knew it was there. They they, they were about it. they were aware that Tony Larusa had this DUI. It is not his first DUI. Hey, hey, just remember, he's a Hall of Famer, man. And that's and that's the real problem here. Is that Tony Larusa hit the the whole transcripts available online, and I got a ring, and it's very arrogant. And so, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I'm Tony LaRussa. Look how great I am. I'm in the Hall of Fame. I have a ring. Don't give me a DUI. But 
it's a history with Tony Larusa. He also got in trouble in 2007 when he fell asleep at the wheel, if I remember right, when he was considered drunk then. So he's 76 years old. Now, now here's the question. Does Tony Larusa manage an inning for the Chicago White Sox? Reinsdorf is stubborn enough where he already knew this. Uh, he has not come out. If you were uh, shocked by this, uh, you would have come out with a statement, right? Or if, if you if you were concerned about the blowback and the public uh, PR uh, that came from this, you would come out with something a little more strongly worded or at the very least, if you had trust that uh, uh, Larusa had this under control, the best way forward, and we talked about this before we got started, the best way forward was to put all the cards on the table, have a press conference, own up to it, apologize for it, and move on. But what he has chosen to do is to slam the phone on reporters, no comment, and try to hide from this. And all that's happening is this just keeps building. Uh, it's not going away. You will have to address this. Uh, and for me, as we talked personally, where I, where I see the issue is, again, people make mistakes. Uh, we recognize that fully. We'll talk about uh, some managers that are coming back in the game uh, who've already served their sentence from everything that happened in, in Houston. Uh but the problem here with Larusa is it happened once in 07, and then now here. You don't see something that is under control. Uh, at 76 years old, you're still seeing the same problem. This person has an alcohol problem. That's not news, uh, a news flash. Mm -hmm. So here's the question. People turn to some of those things, especially under high stress, right? Yeah. Uh, and... What happens uh, in that first four to six weeks of the season if the White Sox are five games under 500, start out slow, and the, the media pressure of, look at how much of a failure this is. This is imploding immediately. How is he going to handle that? Uh, and also, Reinsdorf, because you knew about the second one and hired him anyway, you are responsible for anything that happens because your name is going to be associated with any future bad event as long as he is under contract. Uh, this is a a time bomb waiting to happen. You hope not. Uh, I, I hope I'm. I very much hope I'm wrong. It was a time bomb two weeks ago when they hired him. We thought it was a time bomb yep. just because it was going to be a managerial thing versus the whole player style. And now it's another another whole part to this gets added on, and it, it looks like we're melting down in Chicago already. I, I agree though. I think he's going to be the manager on day one, and you just you just hope that they figure out a way to get through this because it's not looking pretty in Chicago. Well, and sometimes for 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 these guys, when you're uh, when the uniform comes on, then you uh, you click into gear, and it's the off season where sometimes that trouble creeps up, right? When you don't have that day to day regiment that that is taking place, or free time, uh, more, more, more free time, free time uh, idle hands, all that good stuff. Uh, so uh, he's going to be motivated uh, to show that he can still uh, has the managerial chops to do this, uh, but definitely not the start to the off season. Uh, that uh, Reinsdorf and the White Sox had in mind. Again, this was one of the young, uh, young up-and-coming teams uh, that was here. It was supposed to be the focus on the taking that next step. Now, instead, we're talking about things that have nothing to do with what the previous year's team did uh, or what they could do this upcoming year. And that's a team that was leading most of the year, actually. At the end, they were lost, like, I think, the last series to fall to fourth. But for a lot of the year, they were the best team in the American League. And it's a team that's kind of in flux right now. But as we... Let's move on here. You, you mentioned yeah, some, we, a, team, a person that has come back from having his year off, served his sentence. 
last week we talked, he was one of the five finalists. And officially, we, we both said, I think that if there, you don't put his name on that list if he's not your pick. And Alex Cora is back with the Red Sox. They took a year longer than they wanted to, but they got their guy. Yeah, this was, uh, as we said on the previous podcast, uh, ultimately, if you were not uh, going to hire Alex Cora, you never would have put him on the list in the first place. Uh, you would have said he's not a candidate. Uh, to have his name on there, uh, the the obvious choice was he's coming back uh, and he's going to get a chance now that they've gone, now that he's served a sentence. Uh, again, uh, if anyone is upset by things that have, that have happened, uh, baseball had every choice to do a lifetime ban or do anything else. This was the sentence they gave. He served it. Now it's time to move on. Uh, uh, that's all that you, you can do with at this point. Uh, and uh, I think by serving that time, again, here's the difference. Uh, this has a PR issue connected to it as well, but Boston handled this, uh, uh, appropriately. Handled this appropriately. Uh, he talked about some of the stuff of, uh, owning up to it, uh, of just, of this happening under his watch and, and wanting to, uh, not only apologize for it, but then make sure that doesn't happen again. So there's nothing more you can ask of the guy uh, at this point, uh, that's the U.S. That's the way that the judicial system works: is you get found guilty, you serve your sentence, you do your sentence, and once you're done, you're done with it. And at this point, I've, I never hear about the Houston Astros and AJ Hinch and Alex Cora hitting another batter. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Unfortunately, I'm sure I will, but it's done. Like it's, it's we've, done. they did their year. And uh, as we reflect on that year, uh, there are some uh, this week. A few more as as MLB goes through their award season. Uh, we have the Rookie of the Year and Manager manager of the Year complete. Uh, why don't you break down those for us? So we made our midseason predictions, and I don't think we even mentioned Devin Williams at that time for Rookie of the Year for the National League. We've mentioned him just how phenomenal he was. He won Reliever of the Year, and now he brought home Rookie of the Year, an incredible season for the Brewers. And then in the American League, it surprisingly was not Luis Robert. I think we both at the middle of the season picked Luis Robert, and he ended very cold at the end of the season. And in the meantime, Kyle Lewis just kept hitting, started hot, kept going, and unanimous rookie of the year, the young outfielder out in Seattle. Surprised? It makes sense. He had a wonderful a wonderful year. Uh, you know, He started off scorching hot, tapered down, but then continued to consistently hit. He was among the uh, league leaderboard in, in, in hits all year long. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. Batting laid off for that Seattle White Sox or Seattle Mariners team, and so I think he's the first Mariner to win it since each year. Also, if you get in the if you get mentioned with a future Hall of Famer there, that's that's always a good sign. Uh, manager of the years, I think we both predicted Don Mattingly. The Marlins were such a surprising team to get to where they did. That that only makes sense, especially dealing with that other adversity that they dealt with with the COVID issues. And then Kevin Cash, are your raise? Yeah, anything to say there? That's your team. Well, I mean, first with, with Mattingly, I think he was, with the, the Dodgers, I, there was some pressure uh, that was there just by not being able to get over the hump. But I, and I, I think that got in the way of people recognizing that he's, he's an a good excellent manager. manager. He's a really good manager. I, I've always liked Mattingly's management smile, even when he's with the Yankees, too. Yeah, and, and he's, again, done well with this Marlins club. Uh, you're seeing competence in that organization, which isn't always the case there. <laughs> New ownership, uh, more uh, things taking place. Uh, hopefully that continues that trajectory upward because, man, their pitching prospects uh, are fun uh, to watch, and that's going to be a team that's going to be uh, interesting uh, in the NL East for for a while. Uh, Kevin Cash, like, how could you not? Uh, you know, best record in the American League. Uh, they the team that uh, everyone said the Yankees were going to win that division. No way the Rays can do this. 
uh, and they just kept winning uh, and kept it consistently uh, taking place, especially in such a weird year, and all the way to the uh, the World Series. Uh, I know they say you're not supposed to count uh, postseason uh, in uh, any of this stuff, but it does. It's always mm-hmm. there. Uh, so, yeah, completely makes sense. I really do wish... Uh, not that Kevin Cash is very deserving. I think it would have been amazing if Rick Renteria have got it yes. because he he had such a great year. Man, we just talked about how great he did for the White Sox, and then for him to earn Manager of the Year after unceremoniously let go by Jerry Reinsdorf, but he did not, and that's okay. So we got a couple other awards coming up here, and I'm going to make you. We're going to talk about our midseason stuff and make you make a final prediction here. Al Cy Young, I believe, in the middle of the year, we both picked Shane Bieber, and tonight or maybe it's tomorrow night. One of the next couple nights, Shane Bieber, Kenta Maeda, and Hyunjin Ryu. Three heater podcast extraordinaires. We both love Kenta Maeda and Hyunjin Ryu, but I think we're both probably going to stick to Shane Bieber winning this award. Here's what I'll quickly say is that uh, for Hyunjin Ryu and uh, Maeda, both of those were off-season acquisitions. Uh, From the Dodgers. Remember, the Dodgers just won the World Series (laughs) while losing two Cy Young caliber pitchers. That's how good that team is. And uh, also, not every pitcher switches from the NL to the AL well. Both of those did that very successfully. Uh, so, yeah, I, I forgot that all of that was Dodger pitching. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm still a uh, believer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's he was, his. It was a phenomenal year for him. He, he should win the award tonight. Uh, National League is much more competitive. I think in the middle of the year, I took DeGrom, and you maybe took you Darvish, if I'm not mistaken. And they're both up for the award, so we are in the three, but... The third person is actually the one I'm going to take now, and that is, of course, everyone's favorite, Trevor Bauer. I he he closed. They all are very deserving. He closed so strong, and I do believe Trevor Bauer will win his first Cy Young award. I'm doing the uh, the uh, strut, tr- the Trevor Bauer uh, strut that he has uh, taken from uh, a few other folks. But, Way to go, uh, Vince McMahon. <laughs> but yeah, it's Bowers, uh, and with no disrespect to either of the other two uh, candidates. Uh, Bauer had a phenomenal year, best year you could have walking into free agency, strutting into free agency. Uh, And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up as well. But, yeah, We'll get to that. We'll get to him. Let's talk AL MVP. The big three. I don't remember who we picked in the middle of the year. I picked Jose Abreu, actually. I do remember that. So it's Jose Abreu, DJ LeMayhew, and Jose Ramirez are the three people up for the award. I will stick to Jose Abreu winning the award, although Jose Ramirez closed on absolute fire and DJ LeMayhew is a phenomenal hitter. Again, this gets, this gets down to uh, what do you consider an MVP? Do you consider the, the best offensive player or do you consider it the one who's most valuable to the, the team that gets blurred uh, mm-hmm. on different seasons? So even these three, it, it's hard a little bit, uh, but I'm going to go with Abreu still mm-hmm. uh, because as much as Ramirez heated up, it, didn't do anything as far as postseason is concerned. And then DJ LeMay, he was one star of many. I mean, he's an excellent hitter, uh, a batting champ uh, in, in different leagues. Again, he's an excellent hitter, <laughs> but I wouldn't consider him. The most I, MVP? Luke Voigt uh, was more MVP oh, yeah. on that team than it was LeMay. Luke Voigt was incredible for uh, that team. So, yeah, for me, Abreu. Yeah, I, I, I said that's made my pick since the middle of the year, and I, I think he deserves it. NL MVP is strange. Why bother? You got this? I don't know. I think there's a good choice here. I think we both picked Tatis in the middle of the year, and he's not even eligible. They didn't even move him on. So, Betts, I think that's the one that you're going to pick. I think we both picked him as the preseason MVP award. Preseason was mine, yep. Yeah, and then Freddie Freeman and Manny Machado. And that's why I said why bother, not because of Betts. 
Freeman. Freddie Freeman, right? Freddie uh, Freeman. He is the lifeblood of that uh, dominant offense that Atlanta had. Where you take out Betts, it would hurt. That team still keeps moving. Mm-hmm. You take out Freeman, that team's done. I think Freddie, Freddie Freeman deserves this one. Leading the National League in batting average, 13 home runs, 53 RBIs. And if you remember, he is the one that battled the COVID. We knew yes. it. It was really hurting him. We, both were, we had real concerns about Freddie Freeman, and everybody did. Like, is he going to be okay? Still led the National League in war. This this one should be Freddie Freeman's. Mookie Betts will win more in his career, and I'm not, Freddie Freeman could very well win more too, but... Betts can enjoy his uh, World, World Series, Series MVP. That's right. He, got, he has more rings this year. Let's give one to Freddie Freeman for a change. Uh, what about... Are we on qualifying offers? Or Mets GM? Which one do you want to talk about? Let's talk Mets GM. We we, okay. we talked about it briefly. Uh, before we had everything finalized, before the press conference with the new owner, uh, and we mentioned how at least the indications were there, this guy's going to spend money. Uh, and if he's going to spend money, this is going to be an attractive job. Uh, that only was solidified with his press conference of saying, I'm not meddling in this. I'm giving the checkbook, and then I'm getting out of the way. Uh, the, the Mets have the most... Uh, excitement most PR uh, that you are going to find in the offseason of, of any team in this weird year uh, uh, for people excited to see what happens, what free agents end up there, what trades end up there. Uh, all roads lead to New York, uh, but to the Mets, uh, not the Yankees this year. To the Mets, not the Yankees. So they fired, is it Brady Van Aswegen? Is that how you say it, I believe, is his name? And Steve Cohen said he's, he's... He didn't do well enough to say his name right, so don't worry about it. Okay, that's good. Uh, Steve Cohen is ready to uh, spend some money and get get a winner going to New York, and his prediction was three to five years we'll have a World Series, hopefully on the shorter side, because if it's the longer side, then I've made a mistake, or I've it's it's been too long. We've, we've disappointment. And so if you're willing to go out and spend that type of money, we're going to talk free agents in a little bit here, and I think that they're the favorite for at least a few of these big names. Uh, even though free agency has been running for over a week, it sure doesn't seem like it's it, right? This so is going to be a uh, a slow start uh, to everything. And, and we knew that uh, with the way this was working out because uh, there just is uncertainty over what type of revenue will be there next year, uh, especially the fan revenue component. Uh, so what we're seeing here, uh, though, is the, uh, the Mets are going to be in the driver's seat for every free agent is going to be linked to them because you need to drive up competition, especially if you are a player's agent in this market. Scott you're Boris. doing everything. <laughs> uh, Scott's just going to pitch his tent right outside right. of uh, uh, I'm Steve's I'm right here house. at New York Mets. I'm here at Steve Cohen's house. Set up. Send more money. So that's going to – he'll do his own telethon right outside the guy's <laughs> uh, uh, front yard. But, uh, uh, no, the, the this is a not only an attractive spot, but, again, the owner definitely made – Positive uh, PR there. Marcus Stroman definitely said uh, um, one of the reasons for his qualifying offer that we'll talk about that he accepted is uh, uh, he likes the first things that he heard and is ready to see what more uh, comes from it. But uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Mets. So let's uh, you're saying that's premier job now, better than the Angels? 100%. That that pocketbook, with you already have good – like. We mentioned that the Mets are such a conundrum because there's a lot of good players, a lot of good pieces. They just don't fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the island of misfit toys over there. They're very nice toys. Uh, you have uh, an NL home run champ from uh, just two years ago uh, in, in that process. You have uh, uh, a batting title candidate and Jeff McNeil. 
Uh, there's a, a bunch of other young, good players that are, are there. You have the best pitcher on the planet. Uh, it, it's really a conundrum as to why they couldn't put it all together. But that's why you need someone at the top who's actually going to not just acquire pieces, but acquire a team. Like, put this together. Uh, and anyone, how is this not your dream gig? Uh, you already have the New York spotlight. You have an owner ready to spend uh where they should have been in the spotlight more based upon what that franchise is always capable of doing in that market. Uh, but you had previous ownership that uh, was using the team to uh, manage their losses elsewhere in their uh, portfolio, and this team just wasn't the same. That has changed, and that's going to see the, the biggest uh, uh, dramatic ch- uh, difference uh, in that uh, franchise and also now in that division. This already was a tough division. Uh, I think you can make the case now it's the toughest division in baseball. Oh, yeah, with the Marlins and the Braves coming up. And I still, still don't Phillies. think the Nationals are that. Or, and, yeah, and, and the, Phillies, nationals, and the yeah. nationals are Every not team. as bad as they are. So, yeah, this is probably the best division in the game right now. And right now all we know is that there's they've said there's 15 candidates. I have The only name you've ever heard mentioned is Mike Chernoff, who is the Indians GM right now, is the – maybe the front runner. I don't know. And the Indians are another team that we think they're going the opposite direction where they probably don't want to spend. So if you're Mike Chernoff and you can go from possibly having to trade away your best player to going to go out and have free reign, uh, you got to expect the guy, if that's really truly the leading candidate, he's going to want to take this job. Just pack his bags with right. you. Right, yeah. Because uh, that's already <laughs> rumored at this point. That's San Francisco Lindor and myself. Uh, can you trade yourself? <laughs> I wonder if that's possible. Uh, let's talk Marcus Stroman here and the qualifying offers as a whole. Since we're on the Mets, Marcus Stroman accepted his 18.9, right? $18.9 million Correct. qualifying offer. And Kevin Gaussman accepted his $18.9 million qualifying offer. And those were the two we said. Gaussman, we thought it was basically a foregone conclusion he was going to take it. And Stroman was hit or miss. And even he was hit or miss. Like last week, it came out that he was leaning towards not taking it. And then two days ago, he decided to take his qualifying offer. Neither one of these guys are what you'd call $19 million a year pitchers. Uh, Stroman, if he had a, a full good year, as possible, a, a, a three-year, a three $60 million deal, perhaps. Uh, but the way that he's he's another one of those guys who's excellent two times through the order, third time, uh, th- that's going to be a little it's, more shaky. He's He doesn't have that enough of a pitcher, eh? His is, he relies so much on that sinker. And eventually, like you said, three times through the lineup, you know when it's coming, it's supposed to the regular fastball, and you can lay off. And you also need an excellent defense behind you for you, for you yeah. to be effective. If you're going to be a ground ball specialist, you need that defense to, to be uh, snagging those up. Uh, but again, at 19 for both of them, uh, made, made a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, especially for, I mean, Gelsman, this is way to peak at the right time. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, it's a indictment of the pitching market more than it is the true talent level of Gelsman. But he, you know, increased one to two miles per hour on his fastball. Uh, and that was enough for the, at least the, the Giants uh, to uh, you know, decide you know, on a one-year deal with limited uh, financial risk. Let's let's keep them around and see what happens. They came close to making the playoffs at the the end there, uh, so that's an interesting team to to think about uh, as well. But Gaussman and Stroman, these were the two we expected. They are the two that did, and uh, but I am surprised. I know we've been downplaying the the slow start to to the free agent market, but man, your guy <laughs> Robbie Ray, first free agent off the board. 
re-signs with the team that acquired him at the trading uh, deadline, the Toronto Blue Jays. One year, $8 million. So it was certainly not the breakout year that was projected of Robbie Ray back in summer camp. By I am done projecting by, that anymore, by, by many people, not just you. Not many people. And it was a very Robbie Ray-like year. He had a just shy of 5 ERA, a almost well, not almost, 1.74 whips, which is extremely high because while he strikes out more than one per nine innings, as usual, he walks way more than one per nine innings. And maybe, you know, it was only 20 days or 20 games. So, I don't know, five starts, six starts. He didn't make many starts with Toronto. Maybe he gets in Toronto. He has a pitching coach. He has a full season, a full off season with a new pitching coach, and they can just get his control. Not, it doesn't even have to be good control. Just adequate control he just needs to upgrade to bad uh, yeah that's sure just bad, bad even would be okay that's an upgrade for him. yes and and if he can limit some of the walks and get his control underway yeah he's got strikeout stuff it's all there like the potential is gr- super high but until, until you can limit the walks he's not reliable and they're they're, they're building it's going to be a decent pitching staff though you still got ryu you still got nate pearson and shoemaker's there so shoemaker is a free agent because oh, uh, uh, okay. i had i saw him being uh Linked to the or that the Boston Red Sox had interest. That'd be a good fit. No, that'd be a good fit for them. But Robbie Ray, one year, eight million. It's it's a low upside. It's a low risk signing, I should say. With with upside, if you can finally, like you said, just curtail his wildness. I love that he has just enough tantalizing prospects that he still suckers over like $8 million a year out of teams. That is impressive because it's just enough because we're not talking a one-year deal with low base, high incentives. He is still getting major money despite each year the wheels just come off a little bit more. Everyone wants it to go the other way, and he's got the stuff where he's everyone thinks they can harness it, and if they can, that's good, but it's always fool's gold because they always end up a little bit worse each year. 45 walks between the both the Arizona and Toronto in 51 innings. 45 walks. That is that is absurdly high. So He just it, doesn't want to be lonely in the infield. He, he just, maybe he just likes throwing it from the from the windup or the stretch, I should say. So, yeah, uh, good for Robbie Ray. Make your money, man, I guess. And we'll see if uh, someone else can uh, strike gold there. Uh, but the last part of the news and notes is uh, is one that's not official, but we just wanted to bring it up because it's, it's inevitable. Uh, every... Uh, major media uh, person in, in baseball ha- has stated it. Uh, while currently the DH is not in play for the National League, everyone assumes it will be by the time the, the year rolls around. Uh, the, that the DH will be coming to the National League or will stay with the National League. You know, We saw that this year in the COVID season. Uh, owners want it. Players want it. Uh, of course, uh, Manfred wants it to get more offense in the in the game. Uh, so I, I shouldn't have said his name that just tarnishes everything we just, I know, know. but, uh, uh, but here, I I think that's going to come into play because there's still, still a risk though, depending upon when that decision is made, because there's some, uh, some old guys, but, uh, still, uh, can, can swing the bat. I hope they get it done soon. soon. Like you said, just, you just want Nelson Cruz on the Brewers, don't you? I, I'd love Nelson Cruz on the Brewers. I'd love <laughs> I the one is like Ryan Braun, right? Is he going to retire? So, if we're talking Brewers here just temporarily, you know, if if they have a D, if they don't have a DH, I think Ryan Braun will retire this offseason because Lorenzo Cain's coming back and Christian Yelich and Garcia and there's your outfield as far as I'm concerned and Ryan Braun is not as good as those guys at this point. But if they have a DH, someone like Ryan Braun can play another year for 130 games. So, 
we saw how slow Major League Baseball can be in negotiating for April to June, mid July or early July. It was like pulling teeth. So don't waste your time. You both know you want to have a DH. When and I'm assuming of the big negotiating is going to be, we'll take the DH and you get to expand your playoffs because the expanded playoffs worked great. Everybody loved it. Part of it was because there was not much else on TV, but I think that they want to expand the playoffs as so long as they recede. Uh, that was always uh, I said as long as they recede. Oh yeah, I, I agree. that was that was the problem that I, I saw within it. It was fine to add the other teams, uh, but as long as you recede, where this way there is incentive to winning that first or second spot. Because the uh, Rays and the Yankees were some of the best teams in the AL, and they had to play each other right away. And the Dodgers and the Padres, right? So yeah, after the first round, you recede. I agree, you recede it. But uh, yeah, there's where the natural trade-off can come, and we can shift right into. Uh, uh, Milwaukee Brewers as we uh, put on our GM hats. Uh, and I think we're both of the same mindset that if the DH is there, uh, bring it back with Ryan Braun one more year. It's uh, so. There's a comfort level there. His bat's still uh, enough. Uh, it's not going to be a, a large expense. Uh, that's another one where low base, uh, high incentives uh, can uh, can be there. I think he made $18 million last year. We're not – if he made you know, $5 million for a year, Sure. Even if Robbie Ray can get eight million, Ryan Braun can find a way to get eight million dollars, right? That's so five to eight, I think that's your range. Sure, somewhere in there, but and one year deal, and you just like I said, he's not going to play more than one hundred and thirty games, even as a DH at this point. Uh, anybody who thinks he's got one hundred and sixty games in him, or even one hundred and forty games in him, is probably trying to fool themselves. But for one hundred and thirty games, yeah, he can still hit home runs and definitely hit doubles and help your team. Well, and and we know that as we talk Brewers, uh, that they need all the offense they can get. Uh, the problem is they've been subtracting offense for the last couple of years, uh, and at least last offseason, you know, they they never replaced what went away. Mike Mustakas, Yasmani Grandal, uh, they were not able to replace. Uh, and then you had some players uh, take steps back versus steps forward, including your reigning NL MVP it was just a fluke year. Uh, and uh, so right now the offense, uh, I would say, is the biggest challenge at this point, the biggest thing that needs to be addressed. Uh, but why don't you talk about what positions you see? Because uh, here we're talking broad-based. Where do they need to focus their upgrade on position-wise? I think it's the corner infield. I, first base tends to be an offensive-driven position, and the Brewers, beyond getting some production at the end of the year out of Jed Jerko, have widely not gotten any production out of their first base and third base with well, Jedrick will bounce back and forth or whatever. And you could put him one of them, but overall third base was weak since they got rid of Mike Moustakas and Travis Shaw. So I think it's a corner infield position. I, I told you before we started, ideally Keston here is going to learn how to play first base because second base, he can't make the throw from second to first routinely enough. It, it looks like Jose Altuve in the playoffs too often. So if, if that's a problem, he should move to first base. You put Luis Urias, the young shortstop, who they try to play at third. He used to play second when he was in the minor leagues with San Diego. You put him at second. Orlando Arcia had his best year. He was probably the Brewers' best player this last season. And then you have your your filled-in spot at third, and whether that's Jed Jerko, I said I, the, the player I think would be affordable for them and could really help the team out is Tommy Listella. He's had an awesome last couple seasons, uh, last year between the Angels and Athletics. I think he'd be a great fit for what Milwaukee needs at third. He's uh, adequate defensively, uh, never going to be much more than that, but he does have positional flexibility where he can play all around the infield. Uh, you can choose to use him that way, or you can give him one position and let him stay there. Uh, but what he brings to the table uh, is uh, one of the best batting eyes uh, in uh, free agency. 
He hits for contact. He does not strike out much. If you look at the entire free agent market, he's probably in the top two or three. Uh, the second tier after DJ LeMahieu, mm-hmm. uh, that's how good his batting eye is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's no small feat. Uh, so I, I think here's someone who can definitely infuse some on-base percentage, some uh, some contact skills at the top of your uh, order. Uh, that can be a, a big benefit. I think that's what they tried to do last year with Eric Sogard. Yes. And it just didn't work out. And Eric Sogard had been in Milwaukee before with limited success, and he went to Tampa Bay and Toronto and had a little more success, and they tried to bring him back, and it didn't really work that well. So I think that Tommy Listella would be a better version of Eric Sogard for this team, and you could trust him to bat. Craig Council had a love affair at least the first 15 games or so with Eric Sogard batting leadoff, and it was just an utter disaster. So Tommy Listella, you want to bat him leadoff? Absolutely. He can work a count. He can bat leadoff for you. And that moves us right into the next spot. Lorenzo Cain should be back on this team. Now, does he? COVID's not beaten. They, we think there might be a, a corona vaccine, a coronavirus vaccine. Pfizer thinks they have one, and maybe they do. I don't know. It hasn't been tested by the FDA yet. But assuming Lorenzo Cain is back, he, he had been your leadoff hitter and uh, one of the best premier defensive center fielders and adequate offensive center fielder. So he slides back in. You'd expect him to slide right back into center field, which moves Avisayo Garcia to... I would assume to left and leaves Christian Yelich in right. So there's your outfield. And then your batting lineup just gets a little deeper because now if say you do sign time Listella, maybe Kane bats first. Listella is really a great two hole hitter with all that contact. He would fit yep. great at yep. the two hole. And then you stretch your lineup more because suddenly instead of batting Eric Sogard and Keston Hero, you have a much longer lineup. When hopefully again here with the bat bounces back too. Again, mm-hmm. these these were your two big hitters uh the year before. Uh, and uh, all that Hira ever did from minors all the way through, and go back to college all the way through, hit. This was his uh, his calling card. And Certainly then, wasn't the defense. And uh, last year that uh, calling card took a, a step back, so you you assume based off of talent alone that that's going to take a step forward. Uh, and uh, so you already have, like we talked about Tommy Lestella as a fit. One name that's been used from, uh, I think it was the MLB uh, MLBTradeRumors.com, uh, they they had uh, Robbie Ray. Unfortunately, that won't happen. Uh, but yes. uh, they also referenced uh, Carlos Santana, and that's a bounce back candidate that makes a lot of sense too. Uh, if if you believe Listella can play uh, third uh, or even second, depending on how you shift it out, or just mix and match between, uh, Carlos Santana still plays good defense at first base. Uh, well, I'm going to mention Carlos. Carlos Santana is going to be my top rated first base free agent when we get to that in a little bit here. So. I've said before, I think Carlos Santana is incredible. Uh, Even in a year where he hits 199, he leads baseball and walks. That's the type of batting eye that Carlos Santana has. The Brewers could use a player like Carlos Santana. Now, if I'm prioritizing time of the stellar or Carlos Santana, sure, I'm going to take Carlos Santana to that. But could they use them both? Absolutely. Like you said, time of the stellar could be just your super utility man backup role in which we see the Tampa Bay Rays used to perfection all the time, right? They got to the World Series with a bunch of those guys, kind of. He's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing yeah, in Tampa he would Bay fit next year, perfectly. too. So, yeah, Carlos, if they wanted to sign Carlos Santana, that'd be more than mere. That's closer to replacing a guy like, like Mike. Tommy Lestella is not Mike Moustakis, right? He's not that type Just of a, a player. Type of He's a type of a player. Now, Carlos Santana, they're pretty similar. That's a, that's a replacement for Mike Moustakis type of player. If you look at his numbers under the hood, look at the advanced stats, uh, Carlos Santana was a bit unlucky. Uh, there's reason to believe in positive regression. Uh, and number one, his uh, uh, his uh, exit velocity was well within career norms. 
Uh, he didn't have a higher strikeout percentage. Uh, it wasn't that he was uh, uh, having a big hole in his swing. Uh, the BABIP was far under what it normally has been, and there just isn't any other numbers to indicate that uh, that wouldn't go back up. Uh, he seems like he's uh, unlucky whether or not he approaches his all-star almost silver slugger level from 2019. Uh, maybe not. Uh, still could. Uh, but uh, there's a, a considerable amount of middle ground where he's going to make some team very happy and also for a, a very small price. You could pick up both Listella and Santana for less than what you paid Ryan Braun last year. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that would be a massive offensive infusion uh, compared to what they tried to do the this previous offseason. Get some higher, last year we said it's the throw it against the wall, see what sticks. Get some higher end proven players like Time Stella and Carlos Santana. You know what you're getting. These guys are proven. Obviously, Garcia was proven and he probably had the best of the year of all the players they signed, but Ryan Healy and Eric Sogard and I don't even remember who any of else are from anymore, but <laughs> there was plenty of them out there that just did not work out. And like you said, the offense, going into the year, I think we both thought the offense was going to be okay. The question mark was all with the pitching, and now they had Devin Williams step up, and Corbin Burns, before he got hurt at the end, was tracking to at least be in contention to be in top five in the Cy Young voting, and Brandon Woodruff was great. But after that, the pitching, Josh Lindblom was okay-ish. Adrian Hauser kind of took a step back. But Brad Anderson is going to be gone. So they're, we said, they're going to probably need one starting pitcher. Does not have to, we're not talking Trevor Bauer. This team is not signing Trevor Bauer or Masahiro Tanaka even probably, but a lower end starting pitcher. The strength of this free agent market is that type of, of, of uh, pitcher, the number four or number five, but a good depth. number four or number five has got depth to it. And because, so not only does it have a, a decent amount of, of those pitchers, because of the amount of them, the quantity that's available, uh, is going to keep the price down too, or you're, you are going to have an opportunity to pick up a pitcher uh, who for various reasons uh, has slid down at this point, but there's a considerable amount of upside. I'm just going to give you a few names. Any of these guys would fit the Brewers well uh, and all, all have upside to them. Uh, Mike Miner is just one year off from uh, an all-star year with the Texas Rangers. Uh, he's uh, It was something to do with his off-season conditioning program. Something got messed up in there. And he never looked right. Uh, it it could it. happen when you plan to start in April and you don't start yeah. till mid-July. Yeah. So uh, this seems like a very COVID-related thing. Uh, Jake Odorizzi also battled some injuries. Here's someone who was uh, in the middle of the Minnesota Twins uh, rotation uh, and, and performing very well. If he's healthy, uh, that's an excellent thing. He'd pick. be back to Milwaukee. Did you know that he was once yeah, a Brewer? He yeah, he was the first-round pick for them. Or was yeah, it, was so. it the yeah. Royals and then to them? I, no, I he was, was he was with the Brewers, and then he went first. to the Royals. Okay, for, that was part was. of the Zach Greinke trade. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. Previous Brewer coming back. And uh, Garrett Richards, uh, he's now healthy. He showed he was Finally. healthy at the end of the of this past season. Uh, I think he was coming back from Tommy John or something along those I lines. two Tommy Johns in the last yeah. five yeah. years. I think he's had twice with his Padres but yeah he, he he had a pretty good year at least he started strong and then I don't I didn't pay attention to the end of the year but yeah San Diego sure and uh Taiwan Walker uh Blue Jays when they the, probably one of the better uh, additions that actually did solid uh from the trading deadline uh another guy who uh fits all of these types of guys are going to be well under 10 million a year you're oh, in that yeah. in that uh, depending upon where which one you're looking at but you're in that I'd say five to eight uh range uh, and again, if you're trying to get good value picks, 
Again, if you had a $20 million budget with this free agent class, I think you could actually do very well with that. I agree. I, yeah, absolutely. Because COVID is going to depress some of these values. I think we both believe that. So the depth of the rotation, maybe they take a shot at one and somebody else on a minor league deal or something like that and see if a couple of them get them to help out because Eric Lauer was terrible. They, they can't rely on Eric Lauer. And at this point, I don't think they're ever going to make Freddie Peralta a starter. It just seems to work better in the bullpen, and that's fine. That, that's kind of what they did with Josh Multi-inning Hader. Multi-inning reliever. Yep, that's kind of where they started with Josh Hader. And that's the last question on this team, right? Does Josh Hader pitch with the Brewers in 2021, or Devin Williams was unbelievable. He could certainly have been the best closer in baseball with the way he pitched this last year, but – he didn't get, I don't believe he had a single, he did not, he did not have a single save for the Brewers because Josh Hader is the closer and they kept him there. Do they, the question is, will they trade him? I, I think it comes down to something even more simple. Uh, what do the Dodgers offer? <laughs> Seriously, that's the team that if they want to want to get that last big piece at the end of that bullpen and they had struggles uh, in the postseason. Yes, they did. Uh, as a result of that, they need a, uh, a, a better option at the close of games. Uh, if they came up with something like Kyber Ruiz uh, and or Gavin Lux, like you have a couple of players where they're, uh, or Dustin May, like if, if you got two of those three, how do you say no? Oh, I wouldn't say no. I would yeah. take that in a heart. Gavin Lux, a Wisconsin boy too, so that'd be even better. But So these guys are all uh, uh, bonus pieces on a championship team because uh, they already have Will Smith. Who's established himself? So yeah, you have one of the best uh, catching prospects in the game that can get you that final piece. Uh, they did that with Mookie Betts, uh, with Alex Verdugo. Uh, so you very well could do that here. But if the Dodgers don't get involved, then you keep him. Like that eighth, ninth, uh, the eighth and ninth inning option you now have. Uh, it's interesting when you look at the Brewers. They have they, they do have two of everything. But not of <laughs> you have to understand the yeah. way that I, I, that I say I that you. there. You have uh, Yelich and Hira. Sure. That should be the cornerstones of your offense. Uh, Woodruff and Burns. That's a, the top really of your good. rotation. Uh, Hader and Williams. There's the end of your bullpen. They they have two of everything of those key cornerstones. Mm-hmm. They just need to supplement it now. Again, if there's the right offer, yeah, you trade Hader uh, because. Uh, Go sign Trevor Rosenthal for a two years, fourteen million, and then get something big for Hater. Seriously, uh, I watched the the Rays for years rebuild that uh, bullpen every year. Uh, as as great as it ha- is to have an otherworldly uh, pitcher on it, you can get by with something else too, uh, if it helps you improve the rest of your team. So again, that's the question with uh, with Hater. If you don't get a great offer from the Dodgers. Keep him. He'll help you win games next year as you build a, a playoff caliber team. I think I, I completely agree. I think the one team that that's going to make or break whether or not Josh Hader is traded is the Dodgers, just because they have so much to offer. Uh, we're going to talk about them in a little bit here when I mention my free agent relief pitchers, because I think they're going to be in on a couple of those guys too. But if not, yeah, you you keep Hader. You see what your back end of your bullpen can be. The Brewers while they were not very good at times last year, did make the playoffs. And that's three years in a row, which is, I believe, a Milwaukee record. So three straight playoff years. And you're not going to trade Josh Hader for nothing. You're not just going to get rid of him. He's He was not as good this past year. His ERA was 379 after being sub two and a half the last couple of years before that. And this walk rate rose. But he's still fairly young and affordable, so you don't just give away players like that. 
And for me, it's you have to do an assessment of, of the division. Uh, and what is, now again, we have the offseason has just started. No one's made any moves yet. But is that division winnable? And that answer is yes. Uh, Cardinals, okay. Uh, uh, but they're still looking to make some some upgrades themselves. They're not... Uh, they're not like the previous generation Cardinals. You know, like this, this, they're not feared. Nope. Uh, and there's no Albert Pujols. There's no Albert Pujols. Uh, Cincinnati Reds are losing talent. Uh, they they lost Bauer. Uh, the odds are not in their favor to uh, resign him. That's nope. not the way they they don't have that type of budget. Uh, so you have teams that are taking a step back in a winnable division. I get you have a core uh, that is strong enough to be a playoff contending team. You need to now supplement it. What you tried to do last offseason, what you really tried to do on the shoe, shoe string budget, the thinnest of <laughs> shoestring budgets, you got to bump it up a little bit. Use the money that you're not paying Braun to improve it, and you can do that this offseason. Like I said, if you had $20 million to play with, uh, you can actually do a lot in this particular free agent uh, market. Uh, I'm going to throw one more name out there. Uh, since the Brewers don't care about uh, defense from the catching position anyways, they do not. Uh, with uh, Navarez, who they try to sign, uh, Wil- uh, Wilson Ramos, uh, he uh, passed balls. You're, you'll be frustrated watching uh, when that uh, goes to the backstop, but he can still hit. Uh, the numbers weren't great this year. He still crushed left-handed pitching, uh, but again, more BABIP issues. Uh, the bat speed is still there. Uh, he can actually give you good offense from the catcher position, uh, and, and he fits the the Brewers to a T. So to me, if I were uh, if I had twenty million bucks to spend, uh, maybe if I could squeeze a little bit more out of the owner to get a pitcher in there. But uh, <laughs> my Tommy Lastella, because I was in full agreement with you there, Carlos Santana, Wilson Ramos. I think those three those changed that offense completely, uh, and now you have an offense that can get you to the playoffs if you can add in one of these. Uh, uh, pitchers that'll be on the lower end. That's your offseason. That's perfect right there. Roll I'd with that and go for that. the division. Yeah, I'd be stoked with that. All I, that costs you less than Trevor Bauer. That's okay. I, I don't, as much as I would love to see Trevor Bauer in, in Milwaukee, I, I don't think I could handle it. I, it'd just be so weird to see him there. So <laughs> I, I'd be okay. I, I got another catcher that I'll talk about here when we talk about our all free agent team that I think I'd prefer a little bit more, but Wilson Ramos would be a fine fit. So we're going to take a look again. We uh, promoted it. Uh, Last week. last week to say that we are going to have our all-free agent team. Uh, we have not seen each other's team. We'll reveal it uh, uh, here in just a moment. Uh, coming up next. Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile. Freeze it, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see people today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds? <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! As we look at our all-free agent team. The breaking first news. Th- oh, breaking news. Go ahead. Shane Bieber is a unanimous AL Cy Young Award winner. That uh, does not Called surprise that at all. 
Uh, kind of sort of not very breaking because we sort of knew that like a month ago, but well, unanimous is results, even better. But now we have an official <laughs> confirmed uh, uh, for uh, Bieber as uh, Cy Young winner. Uh, when we look at the all free agent team, we first are going to talk very briefly about who's who's spending again in this weird COVID year. You talked to uh, or read from Buster Olney. If you uh, read from Ken Rosenthal, uh, John Morosi, everyone is saying that this is a frigid market. Uh, you can already expect it to be. There's a, a couple of names at the top that will find a way. Uh, Scott Boris will get his guys some coin. He always does. Uh, Trevor Bauer will uh, be the most. Uh, uh, he's going to troll everyone all season, all off season long, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to like it too. Uh, and uh, uh, and then we'll uh, uh, see from there. But there's a lot of this middle ground where uh, middle class is not a class in Major League Baseball anymore. It's the haves and have-nots, uh, and this free agent is free agent market is full of that middle class group. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but who's spending the money uh, where these players can uh, potentially go. Again, we mentioned when we talked new ownership, New York Mets, the Mets, the uh, Mets are where this conversation is going to start. It, uh, you can start and end it right there with, uh, you can label this free agency as step on up and meet the Mets. Uh, Cause that's where everyone is hoping to be linked to, to get, uh, to get a batted eye, uh, from the uh, new ownership in the Mets and uh, go find a, a nice rich contract uh, up there. Uh, but uh, the Mets, you can still save the Dodgers. Uh, they're going to be more strategic in their spending, but if there's someone that they feel is an upgrade, like I heard someone still saying that Trevor Bauer uh, would be an interesting uh, fit My there. Can you imagine? Uh, oh, they man. Could, they could do it. They uh, certainly completely. could. They're, they're very good at what they don't get enough credit for is how good they are at staggering, like, when their contracts come due. So yeah. Cody Ballinger and Walker Bueller and Corey Seager and Julio Urias. And, you know, I can go for an hour, right? Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, like they have it all sort of staggered out. So every year they get about a considerable amount of money comes off their books so that they can put more money towards extending out their already superstars or going and getting a new superstars. So yeah, they don't get enough credit for really how good they do it. A couple of uh, rising teams uh, that you expect could spend uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, they, they don't have a whole lot of money on the books right now, right? Because their team is so young. So all those guys are before arbitration even, except for Ryu. They don't have a whole lot of money locked up because Bichette and Biggio and Vlad Jr., they're all so young, and Nate Pearson's right there. So I they absolutely – I would not be surprised if they don't go out and put a, a lot of money towards someone such as JT Riomuto or uh, – I know a lot of people would love for them to make a big move and get Francisco Lindor in a trade and move Bo Bichette to third and see how that works. And Vlad's sort of already a first baseman anyway. So, yeah, the Blue Jays, they're going to spend. They, they're even mentioned for LeMahieu and then mm-hmm. moving Biggio around. Like, there's still... Uh, a lot these, of flexibility on that yes. team, too. A uh, couple of uh, dark horse teams. Uh, uh, are there Washington Nationals. Uh, could easily see them trying to do, to do something to get themselves back in, in uh, contention. Again, a weird year for them in different ways, some injuries uh, that have happened. Uh, the one I didn't mention off air that I, I'm going to throw it at you right now is the, the San Francisco Giants. Uh, there are uh, rumors there that because of how well they finished last year on the cusp of the free agency, they feel that they're about ready to try to add a little bit more talent to that and uh, – especially with expanded playoffs, gun for it. And they don't have a lot of money on their roster either, right? There, There is this Madison Bumgarner is no longer there, and I believe Jeff Samarja's deal is expiring this offseason. So 
Buster Posey comes off the next year. So they can lock up some long-term deals. If they, if they wanted to sign someone to a long-term deal and backload it, absolutely, they could do it. Uh, I have not paid that much attention to the Giants, but I know that I think is it Alex Dickerson is up after. No, this must be next year. So, yeah, the Giants probably make a move for someone. And their calling card is always the fact that the weather's perfect, right? I mean, you can say, look, we yep. live in San Francisco. Your, your weather is perfect out here. And if you're a pitcher, guess what? Your numbers are going to look great because we have a massive ballpark. And we've seen it with a lot of pitchers in the past that go to San Francisco. Kevin Gaussman, I'm going to talk about Drew Smiley in a little bit, that had great years in San Francisco and can – Force it into a big contract somewhere else, perhaps. Who was the other one you mentioned? I missed it. That, Washington. The Nationals. Yeah. yeah, the Nationals. So, yeah, they they were my pick to win this, the World Series this offseason. So, and it was not to be. But they have a lot of money spent on their pitchers right now, right? Scherzer and Strasburg Corbin. and Corbin. But they seem to be able to find money, too, when they need to. And very creative management and ownership Deep up there pockets. willing to Deep spend money pockets. in the Washington Nationals. So if they want to make another splash move right now, it is Juan Soto and, and the jets or whatever. If you want to say it on that offense, that is not a whole lot when you look at that offense other than Trey Turner ish. But other than that, there is not a whole lot on that offense other than Juan Soto. So if, if they make a move, I would expect it to be on hitting this time unless they really wanted to go nuts and just further their pitching staff. Well, let's preview this market, what they could be going shopping for, uh, they and the other uh, 29 ball clubs. Uh, as we uh, look at, we'll start with catcher, I guess, and, and work our way through, uh, especially since it, it pays to start at catcher because that's one person that will get paid uh, this uh, this off season. I think we're a slam dunk for who the best catcher is that's available. Yeah, everybody's going to say that it's JT Amuto. He's probably the best free agent hitter available to anybody at this point just because it is such a unique position. He consistently gets better every year. He's improved his numbers, and even in the short year, he was off to a fine start. So we he's made his desired amount known, uh, $200 million, We talked about that, and we both are in agreement. It's highly unlikely. Five years, 125, 130, somewhere in there, I think we both think is much more realistic. Well, and that's been more of the uh... – that 200 number has been buried uh, for a, a while now, uh, where 5125 is kind of like the, the the top of the market, what they would love to see. Uh, I still question whether or not he cracks triple digits. The, the biggest contract to a uh, free agent catcher, now again, Buster Posey got a lot more, Joe Maurer got a lot more from their own teams, but for a free agent catcher, I think it's 582. Uh, five years, eighty-two point five. I think Russell Martin I uh, uh, back then got that uh, deal. Uh, so this would be uh, the highest. Uh, I think what he's trying to do is at least from an annual value. Uh, Joe Maurer had the highest uh, annual uh, value. I think it was just over. Oh, what was that like twenty-one, twenty-two? So I think he wants to get above that for each year. I just don't know if he gets enough years. Here's a person we didn't talk about. The DH would really help JT Ramuto because he could say, look, I can extend my career. Now I could catch 130 games a year, but you can also put me in the lineup if you have the DH in the National League. So I hadn't even thought of that until we started talking right now, but that would really help his Additional cause value. to get more money. Well, and also it allows you to, I, I'd put him down to about 120 games behind the uh, the plate to keep his knees sharp so he's to keep him healthy throughout the year. The DH gives you 40, you know, 35, 40 games there. Uh, and gives your backup catcher a chance to uh, to get something in there too. Uh, make a prediction? Are we making predictions today or no? 
Sure, that'll be a complete uh, off the okay. off the wall. I with got it. mine here, so uh, I thought we were making. Go ahead. Uh, I'm saying he sticks with the Phillies with the dark horse. Dark horse being the Mets. I think he will stick in Philadelphia, though. I think that they're going to want to pony up to keep him. I, I will say the Mets uh, only because of the ownership change. It's the only like again misfit lineup, but the one clear open spot they have is catcher. Most teams. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, right. It is. It is most teams. So but with uh, Wilson Ramos uh, mm-hmm. off the free agent, uh, here's the chance to make that big splash. Uh, he wants to make that splash. Everyone, it's it's there. The stars line up for this to be the the deal. Uh, and also, at least you're getting someone who uh, you're going to at least have a few good years before that starts looking to be maybe not so good a contract. Uh, immediate help at a premium position makes all the sense in the world. Do you have a was Wilson Ramos your bargain option at catcher, your cheaper option? He would be my most bargain option, but to meet James McCann. That's the one I have. Yep, go ahead. That's the one I have is James McCann. James McCann, after they signed Yasmani Grandal, the White Sox had a glut of catchers, even more than James McCann and him. But James McCann is a free agent. He is 31 years old at this point, uh, has been an all-star in the past, can hit, can play some defense. That would be the one that if the Milwaukee Brewers wanted to sign a catcher, I would prefer James McCann. Uh, the way that they tend better to, all-around catcher, he improved his defense this yes. past year. The way that they tend to favor home runs would makes them seem more likely to sign Wilson Ramos. But I would love to see James McCann come to Milwaukee. That would be a great fit for them. Right now, they're talking maybe two years, twenty million. Perfect uh, is what uh, uh, being rumored at this point for for McCann. Uh, here's someone who's quietly come into his own. I think he's peaking. You know, catchers always peak later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, his all-around game is the best it's ever been. Uh, he had an excellent year, uh, serving as the number two catcher to uh, Grandal, uh, and he got in the lineup uh, still uh, considerably and uh, had excellent, uh, excellent stats. And uh, is the clear the cleared number two catcher available uh, in this market? Again, catchers just don't make a lot of money unless you are of the big name JT Real Muto types. So to get a guy who's still what was he at? Like two war, uh, or for uh, for that his numbers were were very strong. Uh, so if you're looking for a two to three uh, win catcher, uh, one and a half, and he only played in 31 games. That's really strong. Yeah, yeah that's really strong. The so, year before, two point three. So yeah, James McCann. It's going to be a great value for whoever gets him. Better because, bang for your buck. Yes, uh, uh, to still get a good impact. Uh, what about first base? And I think we probably talked about that. That position is very thin, uh, but there's still some value to be found. Uh, the, the top first baseman on my board is Carlos Santana. I said, I yes, he hit 199 last year, but he had a 212 BABIP, which is extraordinarily unlucky. And he somehow still walked more than he struck out, which he has now done three straight years, walked more than he struck out. That's incredible. He plays very good defense. Even with a 199 average, he has to have a positive war because he still contributes with that, all those walks. So I think that Carlos Santana, he's 34 years old. He'll be 35 early on in the season. He's not a long-term solution probably for someone. He's played a lot of games. He's been up since 2010, so he's about a, logged a lot of innings. And the part of it is he is so reliable. He got 60 games last year, 158, 161, 154. You have to go back to uh, – 2010 was the last time he played less than 145 games. So there's something to be said for consistency there. So if I'm a team that I want to fill in a spot, I trust Carlos Santana can fill in for me at first base. The true plug and play. Yeah. Uh, 
one year six to eight million uh, because the just the way this year went, uh, the one ninety nine uh, batting average makes him look worse than what he is. But that's going to uh, move down the market. Uh, first baseman of, of his age uh, and ilk without the stats just don't make a lot of money. Uh, but that does leave good value for whoever decides to uh, uh, take a chance on him. If you're talking about someone, uh, I guess first, there's a decent amount of suitors of what you, where you think he can go. Uh, we mentioned the Brewers. Uh, the Rays make uh, sense as well. Uh, there's a few other teams that would, would fit, but where do you see him? This is where I put the Nationals, and I put mm-hmm. one year for $12 million. I put him as the Nationals player because – he would seem to get somebody who could be on base consistently for a Juan Soto would seem to make a lot of sense for the Nationals. I would agree with that completely. And any team that doesn't have a DH yeah. uh, would uh, make sense against the Giants, perhaps. They have Brandon Belt, but be a uh, but still for for a DH spot uh, also makes a, a lot of sense. Um, secondary guy, if you believe Edwin Encarnacion isn't over yet, uh, then you can try to take a a chance there. That's the difference between the two. I think there's enough signs that are showing with uh, Encarnacion uh, that... Uh, that one's yeah. getting close. I, yep. I have... Okay, there's only a couple years difference. Encarnacion's bad is slowing down. Uh, and I'm not sure that Carlos Santana's is. I just... I love Edwin Encarnacion. Loved him with the Blue Jays for years. I hope that he... I'm sure someone will sign him and take a chance on it, but... I don't know how long, much longer Edwin Encarnacion's career is going. Once the bit guy like that's bad slows down, it can be a real quick decline. My bargain player, cheaper player, is a guy who I think got hurt maybe a dozen games into the season last year. That's CJ Cron. A uh, mm. couple of years ago, he had 30 home runs with the Rays, and then he had a 25 home run season with the Twins, and then last year he got hurt. It was 13 games he played, four home runs at that time with the Tigers. I. I think that if you trust that, I believe it was a knee injury, if I'm not mistaken. If yes, it was it's a knee worse. injury. If it was, if the knee is healed up, he's 30 years old, and I think you know what you're getting out of him. There's just not a, a lot uh, available in the first base uh, market. That's what we're seeing here. Uh, so it's pretty much Carlos Santana and then everybody else. Yep. Uh, at second base, uh, that's probably one of the more deeper positions that's uh, available in this free agent market. It's headlined by uh, a multi-time. Uh, batting champ. Yeah. I think we both have number one is D&D Jay LeMay, who, uh, like you said, multiple times won the batting title with Colorado. Everybody thought he was going to get worse in New York. Hitters are great everywhere. He kept doing everything they needed with the Yankees, and now he's 32 years old. And the question is, did he price himself out of the Bronx after this kind of late-ish in his career spike, I guess? There should be no such thing as pricing yourself <laughs> out of the Bronx. Uh, that's uh, – Big, you know, it seems like the small market teams get ripped a new one for uh, not spending. But when I hear stuff like that, and it's not by you, it's coming out of the media uh, saying that that's complete garbage. Uh, that <laughs> team can spend. Uh, that team makes more than, than every other team uh, that is out there. Uh, they have the money. Uh, and uh, it. what type of franchise are you? If, if you're wanting to, you're about championships. That's always what New York is about. Uh, you don't get rid of a guy in, in the in his prime, uh, and DJ LeMahieu still is, and he's still the engine at the top of that lineup. Yes, he's not the MVP. I think we said Luke Voigt is uh, feels more that way, and then some of the other big names that were hurt, uh, but he's still a key component of that offense. Uh, uh, and uh, I I just can't see them letting him go. I don't think they do. I think that's part of negotiations uh, that are there. 
three-year deal, four-year deal. It's one of those two, but he stays in the Bronx. He's the type of player that's going to age great. He had the mm-hmm. second lowest strikeout right in the game. So if he, even if he loses a little of bat speed off that, he's still going to be able to put the bat on the ball. I don't – three years, four years, and I would say he can still expect $20 million a year. If you told me that the Yankees signed him to four years, $80 million, I would say that's a fine deal for them, and he's going to return value on that. And he just seems like He'll give a you Yankees very good player. value for at least three of the four years. Sure. And, uh, again – in free agency, that's all you can expect. You never like the, the, the contract at the end of the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's the one who's most likely to give you the most value uh, by the end of that, uh, that, that contract. My prediction I, is New York, too, by the way. That's what I had down. Did you know that when he was uh, looking at the, the Yankee offer, the other team that he was looking at was the Rays? Came down to the he Rays and Yankees. A, that's, another, that's the type of player they love, so that doesn't surprise me. That, that would have been a good fit. But the depth at this position, if you want a gold glover, you can have it. Colton Wong, who well, I just won uh, a yeah. uh, gold glove uh, this uh, this season. Uh, Tommy Lestella, if you want an underrated uh, uh, player who's uh, going to be the... Come to Milwaukee. LeMahieu Light. Come to uh, Milwaukee. That's a... And also, first, second, third. I mean, he can fit anywhere in that. If you wanted to plug him in as a... If you don't like the first base uh, uh, options that are there, he gives you a different option in that regard as well. Uh, so, again, second base has a lot of uh, options available for teams. Uh, shortstop, uh, yeah, there's there's two that you could go with here. Which one did you go with? I have Didi as the yeah. premier shortstop. I have Didi as the premier shortstop, but I agree there's a second option. So, when I look at Didi Gregorius, it it was a great year. Getting out of, year. It was a healthy year. He got out of New York, and he was great in all those years in New York, but it was the Tommy John two years ago and showed that, he was healed up, and he's 30 years old now, kind of the prime of his career, and that's another one the Phillies are going to have to deal with. So I, that was my pick for the top one. Did you stick with Didi, or did you go with the other way? Well, I'll, I'll give the other one then, sure. uh, because he was a two years ago an MVP candidate. Yes, Marcus Simeon, uh, also good defensively. Uh, Poor timing with the for bat. him to hit free agency. And uh, just had, yeah, this not a not a good year. So, again, which player is he, the 2019 version or the 2020 version? I think he's more of the 2020 version. And it's such a, like, it's 60 games, right? It was 60 games on a weirdest year ever. Marcus Simeon has been very consistent the other six years of his career. He was maybe not as good as 2019 where he was almost the MVP, but you know what you're getting in Marcus Simeon. And 60 games is not enough for me to say, oh, he's just done. Here's another guy, one-year deal. Uh, if you, I, I guess it depends what you think of yourself and what your obviously what your agent guides you into. But uh, he he could get a multi-year deal still. It's going to be for a lower uh, annual average value. Uh, but if you believe you can get anywhere near uh, near that, now again you have to look at what the free agent market is the following year, which comes into play. Carlos Correa and there's some other big names that are potentially uh, up at that point. Uh, but Marcus Simeon, I think, still has uh, definitely a potential for good value. Uh, but where do you see Gregorius going? I have Didi going to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Freddie Galvis is not great at short. They seem like they're willing to spend a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to afford Trevor Bauer, I don't think. It, it's either Cincinnati or it was back to Philly. And I think that he would fit really well in Cincinnati. It's kind of a smaller hitter's park. He would... He would seem to be a good fit there. So that's where I had Didi going. Um, I had two years, $24 million. 
I think that sounds right. You have someone who, uh, as they keep trying to find ways to adding offense, you add him to uh, uh, Suarez uh, bouncing back uh, in, in 2020, uh, along with uh, Castellanos, who they signed the, this last offseason. If I was uh, making a Marcus Simeon one, it would be back to the athletics. That would be my prediction for him. It, it makes sense. Uh, I think just try to see to recapture that magic and, and see what happens in a year. Uh, third base, uh, there's one big name, uh, but I don't know if, if he's leaving his, uh, his, his team. The only way he's leaving that team is if that team decides that they'd like a trade for Francisco Lindor and move their other superstar to from shortstop to third. But Justin Turner is, of course, the big name. He's... I. I guess he's healed from COVID, although it's, there was some spreading, which was not shocking, but uh, 36, so he's a little older than some of the rest of these guys, which is maybe going to depress his value a little bit, uh, but still rarely strikes out. Bad Walks, speed, still very good, ex- crushed left-handed yeah. pitching. Very high quality of contact that he's going to make. You know what you're going to get out of Justin Turner. Um, the age is a concern. The injuries have been sort of naggy-ish, but he finds a way to play through them. I think that he's going to get paid, and if and if I said if I'm making a guess, he's back in Los Angeles unless they decide that Francisco Lindor is someone that they're going to make a push for to move Corey Seager to third. Then he fits a team that's young if they're willing to spend like like Toronto. I was just gonna say like Toronto would be the other team that makes a lot of sense for Justin Turner. Uh, that veteran presence that can still contribute in the middle of that lineup. Uh, the Marlins, Toronto. I don't know if the Mar- Toronto is he more likely to spend, but the Marlins would be a good fit too. Agreed. As we move to the outfield, uh, I, I think the way that I would preface this is uh, you have to be willing to have uh, to stretch your imagination defensively in order <laughs> to fit this well. Uh, this is a great uh, outfield that is uh, that can be put together, but uh, defensively may, might have some some challenges. Uh, left field, who do you got? Uh, I just have him by outfielder, so I'll put okay. I'll put Marcel Azuna. I guess if I'm going to go with left, I'll put Marcel Azuna in left. Uh, he bet himself on himself this year. Did one year was it 20 million or 18 million, and it worked out. Couldn't have worked out any better for him the one year in Atlanta. Now I looked at his numbers a little more. Bad. He had a 391 bat, but that's not sustainable. So maybe a little lucky, but you know what you're getting in Marcel Azuna. He's 30 years old. He's had other than a slightly unlucky year. In St. Louis, he's basically put together the same straight, it's the same good years, five straight years. And so after the one-year cheap deal, I think he's ready to sign a longer-term deal, three, four years. When you look at the at his career aggregate, uh, I agree. The The true outlier is uh, is the Cardinals. And that was still after some some shoulder uh, issues that were going on. You put the his final years with the, the Marlins, you add it with the, the Braves, and, and you have a pretty clear talent level. Uh, of what to expect. Uh, and uh, again, when there's not a lot of uh, better depth, uh, but not as much at the top, uh, it allows uh, Ozuna to have a, a chance for a big payday here. Uh, where do you see uh, those dollars coming from? I went with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they tend to have money to spend, and J.D. Martinez didn't have a very good year. And at some point, Marcelo Ozuna probably transitions to play D.H., but until then, he can play the outfield, and they have a they have a gap up there because their their center fielder is a free agent too. And I think for a do goal slide over, and I just could see Azuna. Otherwise, I think he'll just go back to the Braves. That's what I got. I got the the Braves the 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 one two punch of Freeman and Azuna. 
uh, helps that offense immensely. And as they're trying to take their step up, uh, it, it would make sense to uh, to keep him there. So I think he stays uh, with uh, with the Braves. Uh, four years, seventy two, about eighteen million a year. Three at sixty six. So yeah, yeah roughly yep. the same type of thing. Uh, center field, we'll put George Springer. He's probably the other big name that's at a hitter. She's competing with JT Ramuto for highest paid contract this offseason. Springer's 31. Uh, started off slow this short year, but amazing plate discipline. Lowest strikeout rate of his career this last year. Still hits very, very strong batting numbers. No trash can issues or residue no. for him. His numbers were still extremely good. Yeah, and above average defense in center field. You know, you know what you're getting in George Springer. He's the one, if there's a player that I think could get a six, seven-year contract. This is it. Uh, it's it's George Springer just because of the full skill set that he offers. And my prediction for George Springer is actually seven years, $156 million to the New York Mets. Again, if, they, if that's how they want to solve their, their center field issue, I uh, would not be surprising. What is uh, Springer's age right now, 29? 31. 31. He's also from Connecticut. I just learned as I was looking through something, so that would even make more sense. Maybe he likes it back home. I'm going to go 6-126, but I think he's the one guy that uh, truly uh, uh, that, that you can have confidence in that breaks the, the triple digits. Uh, his, his number is, is going to get there from a position player uh, standpoint. Uh, and I also agree with the Mets. Uh, now, again, I, I said Mets also for Real Mudo. I also recognize oh, they could do it. They could do both. It's more likely they do one, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, uh, but either way, they're they are going to be the favorites for either one of those uh, uh, players, which also helps their market very yes, very does. much. Yes, it does. Uh, who do you have for the final outfielder spot? It's another Astro. The other Astro is Michael Brantley. So Michael Brantley is getting up there in age. He's a little older than some of these other free agents at the ripe old age of thirty three, and throughout his career, he's and sort of nicked up, injury prone ish, but he he's still good. Uh, I think it was a two year, thirty million dollar deal with the Astros two years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he did just fine with them, right? Strong yeah. obese. He, he's he's what he is. He's a very his word is like disciplined, right? He's a very yes. disciplined hitter. You you know what you're gonna get. He's gonna draw his walks. He's gonna hit the ball strongly, and he's not a great defender, but he's like average, capable, above average. I guess is how you want to say it. So. I think that he's the type of guy, if you have a team that's maybe a piece or two away, you, you add a guy like Michael Brantley. I see him as a spot starter in the outfield, your fourth outfielder and full-time DH. I mm-hmm. think that is also good for his legs, uh, for his durability, uh, and you will get a an, a well-above-average bat uh, to place uh, in your lineup. Uh, that disciplined, contact-oriented, low-strikeout, uh, he's not a big home run crusher, but he'll still uh, take a, a few out of the park uh, and, uh, again, be a, a very good contribution to your team's overall offense. Uh, two-year deal, uh, I think two-year 24. I don't think I he had, quite gets what he had. I had 25, so yep. we're, we're right in the same area. And I actually have him going back to the Astros. Uh, Agreed. They, they they need somebody after Springer. Springer's probably going to leave. They, they're going to sign somebody, I would expect. I, there's a lot of talk about like the Braves if they don't go for Azuna. If Azuna prices mm-hmm. himself out of their range, Michael Brantley would make a lot of sense in Atlanta too. If Azuna prices himself out of their market, 
I would agree. If, if they don't re-sign Azuna, I think Brantley becomes the, their their target. Uh, DH, uh, uh, let's talk old men. Uh, let's talk about a 40-year-old uh, man. Nelson Cruz is still uh, a man among boys uh, in this uh, this league. And uh, even in this weird year, uh, his exit velocity didn't go down. Uh, his uh, strikeout percentage didn't go up. Uh, he is not acting the way that a 40-year-old should at facing major league pitching uh, and uh, is still a marvel to watch. It's it's everything. It's it's the slugging. It's the on-base percentage. He, he's incredible. And from all Complete the... Complete hitter. All the underlying stuff says he's not slowing down at all. And it, it, like you said, it's the 40 years old. It's the fact that he's only DH. And because he's 40 years old, yeah, there's certainly the risk of injury, but he's just playing DH. Now, is sudden decline possible a la Edwin Encarnacion? Yeah, it it is, but I wouldn't bet on it yet. Like I haven't seen any reason They've to think it's coming. They've been betting on it for five years now. Every, I remember when he was with Baltimore. Was it like five years ago? And they was like, oh well, his career is almost done. Just just swan songing it out here, and it's still going strong. So, I, no, there's no reason Nelson Cruz should leave Minnesota. There's no reason for him to, unless someone really wants to break open the bank. I could see, I'll say one year, ten million. He stays in Minnesota. I think he still gets fifteen million a year. Do you? Uh, but uh, for one year deal, uh, it, if someone comes along with a two year deal, uh, I think he leaves. Uh, that's what he wants. He wants one more contract, uh, one more multi year deal. Uh, but I, I think he's you have to be year to year at forty. I, I just don't see if, someone. I mean, someone could, uh, but then all of a sudden, if if next year is a decline, you're stuck with two years on that contract at at a pretty a pretty price. CBS hasn't projected to your team. Yeah, uh, the uh, he fits. Uh, where does he not fit? No, seriously, right, exactly. uh, if you have a DH, get him out of the way and put him there. He fits on every team, uh, so it, it makes sense. Uh, I I would love to see that. I just usually with a player like this, that means you have to get a top dollar bid, and that's just never the race. It's not unless there's a, a different circumstance like Charlie Morton, where he wanted to be closer to his family in the area. Uh, but that's not Nelson Cruz. So unless he's got uh, an, uh, an affinity for Kevin Cash that I don't know about, uh, my my gut is he stays with the Twins. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just the, the the likelihood at this point for a team that is still trying to contend and wants him in the middle of that lineup. I have my DH backup option. Yeah. The guy who signed a deal with the Braves and then didn't sign the deal with the Braves and then didn't play this last season – Nobody's heard from Yasiel Puig in a while. We haven't heard from Yasiel Puig in a while. Now, technically, he could play outfield, play DH. He's a wild card to me. I I don't know what the deal is with Yasiel Puig, but someone's going to sign. You know who makes a lot of sense for Yasiel Puig is the Cleveland Indians, who are in this weird rebuild thing that they're doing. And if you look at their outfield, it is a bunch of people that nobody is going to heard of because I barely have heard of these guys. Jordan Luplo, I believe, is a targeted center fielder. So something like that would be fun for Yasiel Puig, I think. I also see the Miami Marlins. Uh, sure. It fits the culture and yeah. everything there. DH uh, spot uh, uh, outfield uh, and just a chance to to see what, what he still has. Uh, I think that uh, a young club like that makes sense uh, uh, for him. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to also – he'll have a gig uh, this year, and mm-hmm. we'll see what, what does he have left, you know, looking at a potential comeback player of the year Absolutely. type of uh, player here. Let's switch to the uh, pitching side of things. Uh, we can start with the easy ace that is uh, available uh, in the rotation, uh, Trevor Bauer. I don't know if he's won the Cy Young Award yet. Let me re, re, 
refresh my Twitter feed here. Uh, easily captured Cy Young Award eight minutes ago. So it has been confirmed. He has won the Cy Young Award. So congrats to Trev. The question with Trevor Bauer is, is he going to tinker with his stuff or not? Because when he tinkers, sometimes he tinkers too much, and that's when you get the bad years from him. Because when he's on, he's incredible. And, yeah, he's kind of bristly and polarizing is the word with Trevor Bauer. But there was times in Arizona when he wasn't all that great. There's times when he was incredible. There's times where you have to know if you're signing Trevor Bauer that you're getting the fact that he's not going to necessarily listen to everything you say. He knows what he wants to do as far as the weird stretching exercises, the weird routines that he does. And if you're willing to let him do his thing, yeah, he can be great. He can be incredible. But if you have someone that's, I'm just going to mention Tony LaRusso here because I don't think he's going to Chicago, but like somebody old school like that who says, Trev, this is not the way we do things. Like you got to go out and do your warm ups. So I just like, that's, he's going to be terrible for you. So it has to be the right fit personally, like on a personal level where Trevor Bauer feels comfortable in order for this to work. You can't just say, okay, Trev, you're in New York. We know that he, first off, we know he doesn't get along well with Garrett Cole. They've been sort of arch enemies for a while. So he is very hard to predict. I'm, I'm trying to think of a team that has the money that also has the right environment. Uh, and maybe the Padres, you know, That's like there's certainly that, an option that especially with more of that, that type of uh, clubhouse, I think that that could make sense. The, the Blue Jays uh, also, again, is young clubs that are relaxed uh, that uh, aren't going to be old school. Uh, I think there's, uh, to me, it comes down to two options. And the, the, the Blue Jays are a possibility. I think it comes down to the Padres. And like you said, they're, they seem very relaxed, a fun team, a team that's ready to win. And the other team is, I don't know if they're willing to spend. They have, the Braves have Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna on such affordable deals that if they want to, they could probably sign both Marcel Azuna and Trevor Bauer. And we know they need the pitching. And, and that would seem to be the, those are the two teams that seem to fit and I think have enough young management and smart management that would just say, okay, Trevor Bauer, we know what you can do. We're going to trust you here. Yeah, Atlanta makes sense. The only reason why I didn't mention them was because I was wondering about budget, if that would actually fit. Uh, but there's no reason why they shouldn't after a, a solid playoff year. Uh, and again, here's the, the final piece on a, a team that has championship uh, uh, dreams. That's what I said. The Padres make sense there, too. You want to get past Kershaw? You want to get past Walker Bueller? You need Bauer. Uh, and I, I would argue that no team needs him more than the Padres nope. uh, with uh, facing off against the Dodgers and what they need to do. Plus, here's someone that likes having a chip on his shoulder uh, who would love to go at the, the Dodgers in that way. Uh, but I will say this. There will not be a Braves fan in the world that cares at all of the 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 Bauer swagger in that last game, uh, if he signs uh, if with he them, signs with nope. them. <laughs> I'm gonna say he gets. I know he said he's doing the one year deal thing, but suddenly his I don't know if she's his agent or whatever she is. Is it Rachel Lubar? Is his agent? I believe is what he calls her. They said no, no, we're willing to take multi year deals now. I'm saying he could get like six years, a hundred and seventy ish million if he really wanted. Yeah, it's going to be interesting what that last number is. I mean, he's getting triple digits. Uh, the question is how much, and I'm going to go anywhere from 130 to 150 130, is where I think it goes. Uh, and you're looking at, uh, depending a bit, in there, five to six years. Uh, and uh, 
this is uh, the final piece for a team that has been aggressive in spending. Uh, if they have anything left, you put it all here. If, with all the moves you've made in the past uh, past calendar year, this is the final piece you need. If you truly want to take on the Dodgers in the NL West, again, I say no one needs him more than the San Diego Padres. Let's look at the rest of the, the rotation. Uh, I have... Uh, uh, he became one. Uh, I hope he still comes back. But Charlie Morton, uh, again, there's there's always some risk there at his age and durability. Uh, the numbers weren't uh, great overall, but he's the best post-game pitcher that is out there outside of Bauer. Uh, he was uh, uh, in those Game 7 situations. Uh, he pitched very well for them. He's a solid veteran presence. He's good for a young staff. Uh He's going to stay close to home. Uh, at least that's the unless something changes. Uh, that's what his desire has been. He'll even take less in order to do that. I think he still goes back to the Rays. Uh, they'll work something out, and then they, uh, maybe around ten million range versus fifteen million range that the club option was. Uh, otherwise, we mentioned it before, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, that's also a great value pick uh, for a, a team with a young uh, rotation. Charlie Morton makes a lot of sense in Atlanta. Yeah, those are, those are the only two teams. I, there's reports out that he's got a lot of interest, and I'm, I'm sure he does. He was, he's been very good for the few years. So I'm sure there's a lot of interest, but I don't see him leaving that southeast corner of the United States and that Tampa Bay, I suppose the Marlins could, if they'd really, I don't see them spending money, but Atlanta, that, that area would seem to make a lot of sense for Charlie Morton. So the option was for $15 million, you said? Yep. So, yeah. Two years, $20 million makes a lot of sense. One year, $10 million, something like that, depending on what they want to offer him and keep him around, and I, I think he'll be back with Tampa Bay too. Then for me, I have the uh, the qualifying offer, guys, uh, is who I have for my three and four. I'll let you uh, throw someone in there, but I'm going to put out uh, Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gaussman. Uh, again, now they're, they're no longer on the no. market. They were when I put this together, uh, but uh, they've accepted their qualifying offers. Uh, again, this is not a deep uh, in terms of a top of rotation type of uh, pitchers, but there's a lot of depth. Well, the guys I have are, you got some of the Yankee guys here. Now you hit the two Yankees. So Masahiro Tanaka is a free agent and he's probably never lived up to the hype he got coming over from Japan, but he's very effective. And that's famously he's pitching with a torn partial tear in his elbow now for every year he's been here. I believe seven years were going on or eight years that he's pitched here. He has a tear in that elbow and he still finds a way to make 30 starts. Now I said, maybe he's not as good as he once was or what was expected of him. But at 32 years old, I would certainly expect that there'll be some interest in Masahiro Tanaka as a free agent. The other one is J.A. Happ is also a free agent as is James Paxton. So there are plenty of Yankee options out here. Now Paxton's got the injury issues App has the effectiveness issues. I, I would expect that if you're ranking these, James Paxton is still probably just because, much like with Robbie Ray, everyone sees the potential of James Paxton, right? You can look at that left arm and say, oh, well, he was so effective, but then he got hurt. And he was so effective, but then it was his knee, or it was his elbow, or it was his back, because he is so injury prone. But once again, 32, he, he's not hitting 100 anymore. That I don't think that's happening. I feel like it's starting to slow down. But one year high money, prove-it deal, a la Marcel Azuna. If, if Robbie Ray can get eight, 
then you're you're pretty set to get uh, any at least in that uh, capacity, if not into the again the double digits. I'd say even one year, twelve million, something like what Marcel Azuna had, and see maybe James Paxton stays healthy for a year, and he's as good. And then you see what you get with him. Or Masiro Tanaka seems to be more likely to sign a a longer deal. I would say two three years, and uh, I don't have a prediction for Masahiro Tanaka. I'll say here I'll go out on a limb. I will say the Detroit Tigers. They have a lot of young players. They could use a veteran player. So I'll say Masahiro Tanaka to the Tigers. And that would also be a, a, a good fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, Tanaka is going to be with that second tier of teams searching for a, a pitcher uh, that are that are not going to be in the uh, Trevor Bauer market. Uh, and I, he makes sense with them. Makes sense with the Cincinnati Reds if you're looking for someone to replace uh, Bauer as much as you can. Uh you know, he'll have a market. Yeah, there's all those teams that, depending upon who they end up signing, uh, he, he's going to have a, a solid market. Uh, let's switch to relief uh, pitchers. Yeah, and we have uh, uh, a big name uh, closer uh, at the, the beginning of this. You have uh, Liam Hendricks. Liam uh, Hendricks is yeah. If there's somebody making a a challenge to Josh Hader for being the best early pitcher in baseball. And it, it probably is. Liam Hendricks is probably the best closer in the game, at least last year. His postseason performance for multiple uh, playing multiple innings in that game was so impressive. He throws the fastball. He, he just goes at you with a fastball. And a couple of years ago, he sort of came out of nowhere. And the A's do this with a lot of players and added about six miles an hour to his fastball. And suddenly now he throws 98. Uh, this has got to be. If the Dodgers don't make a play at Liam Hendricks, I'll be utterly amazed. The There is one I could see. If they chose not to, but again, they, with the pockets they have, why would you not? Uh, but Trevor Rosenthal, uh, here's someone who has come back healthy. He's been a shut uh, shutdown reliever, big game experience. Uh, that can be a thing. Again, Liam Hendricks has it too, but I, I see one of them with the Dodgers next year. Yeah, they love their big names. And I, I'm not Trevor Rosenthal's good. I actually have Trevor Rosenthal. I have four early pitchers down. He's my number four on the list as being a possibility. I just I just know how much they love their big name closers. And you put Liam Hendricks in the closers role. You don't need to necessarily trade for Josh Hader. Who knows? Maybe they do both, but you can get trade for Liam you can sign Liam Hendricks and Kenley Be Jansen becomes it. your setup man and you move Julio Urias back to the rotation, and you're ready to go again. And I think Blake Trinan is a free agent for them, too. I don't have him down. But, yeah, yes, he is a free agent. So maybe they sign him, and then then you got a deep rotation. They go from having it as a weakness to a strength. And Brad Hand uh, has now made his way to the free agent market. Uh, again, solid uh, left-handed uh, closer, late-inning uh, reliever. Uh, there's uh, him, and then I'm going to throw one more name, and if you have someone else, feel free, but Trevor May. Uh, from the Minnesota Twins uh, is going to get a considerable amount of play as well. There's a a solid uh, relief market out here. And you know my feelings on spending money on relief pitchers. <laughs> I've let that be known before. So I believe all the relief pitchers will be overpaid. That's just Corey's philosophy on baseball. But Then you want Kirby Yates, who's coming sure. back from uh, injury, who's I not going to make big bucks, uh, but was the pretty much the reliever of the year before he got hurt. I, I would... If I'm a team and my options are to drop, uh, Liam Hendricks probably gets $15 million a year. Yeah, $345. Yeah, that's probably about right. Three years, $45 million. Or I can sign Kirby Yates for like a one-year six, seven-ish. It's not even a question to me which one I'm signing, but I'm not a GM. So Uh, my 
my other relief pitcher I'll talk about is Alex Colomay is a free agent. Had an excellent year with the White Sox. Steady for the last few years. Uh, solid ERAs. His is once kind of like Kenley Jansen. His is all about the cutter, right? He throws it a lot, and it's his is very good. He can keep it down in the zone and pounds away at the strike zone. Uh, although, like I said, I, I think he'd like to get a long-term deal. He's 32. I'm sure he would love to sign a two-, three-year deal with someone and go from there. But if I'm a, if I'm a team, I'm, I said I, I'm always going to go with a one-year deal for elite pitchers. I don't want to overpay him. The there's always someone left out in the cold when the game of musical chairs ends in January, early February, uh, and you have a chance to get a, a good reliever. Take whoever's left, and you'll have a solid reliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that's. Uh, uh, but again, if you're the Dodgers and you have a big hole to to fill, use the 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 massive uh, resources at your uh, disposal and just plug it and be done with it. Uh, Who but, knows what uh, they're going to do? Yeah, predicting what they're going to do is so challenging because they they could go out and say, "Well, we want Francisco Lindor, and uh, we'd really like to move, you know, someone else to second base." So we'll we'll get JT George Springer in here, and you know, they they could do anything if they truly want to. But I, I think that they're going to just put money towards the bullpen and just go from there. Well, that wraps up our uh, all free agent team. Uh, next week, uh, we will uh, take a look at, uh, I suppose, like maybe go division by division, kind of assess teams, or That's uh, what are you thinking? That's fine. We could have a lot of news and notes, too. Who knows? Maybe the, maybe the, the signings will pick up and we go from there. But otherwise, yeah, we just go through and talk about how each division ended up wrapped, what we saw in 2020. And uh, where we see things moving into 2021. Sure. Uh, we're a couple weeks away yet. Uh, eventually, we'll get into this is free agency, but uh, this offseason is never uh, uh, over until you do the nice hot stove of the of the trade market. Uh, everything's going to be virtual this year. Uh, the GM meetings are going to be uh, virtual, uh, and that comes up in the early part of December. Uh, is when those meetings are, and that's when the major moves happen. That's when you see a Lindor move. That's when you see uh, even some of the free agent market starts to uh, unthaw and, and some big deals can happen at that point. So uh, we're only a couple of weeks away from uh, seeing a team start to make uh, their plans more concrete for what they're looking at in 2021. So that is what we'll be talking about over the next couple of weeks as we uh, gear up for uh, the next season. So with that, enjoy your evening and we'll have the uh, MVP awards to talk about next week too. Mm-hmm.